Hey there, streakers. We are on the road headed to BYU-Idaho where we are going to watch Lily in her extravadance, which is all kinds of great things. And I have with me today, Miss Jamie. Jamie, how are you? <laughs> Good. <laughs> Why are Miss you laughing? Because that makes me feel like I'm from the South. <laughs> You're from the South. Miss Jamie. Jamie. Actually, that was my favorite thing about the South is when they would call me Miss Jamie or Mr. Jeffrey. Right, exactly. They call you Mr. Jeffrey. They call me Mr. Jeffrey. Yeah. I was always Miss Jamie. You were Miss Jamie. We are now the other day I was talking with you and by the way, waking welcome to the streaking show. This is uh, Jeff, your host and Jamie, my co-host. Miss Jamie. Miss Jamie, who shows up every what? About about every what? 10 days or so? I'm yes. I'm your revered special guest. <laughs> no, you're actually a co-host. Your picture co is on the <laughs> podcast cover. So it's just that you're not on with me every day. Not every day. But we, we do it about, it's about once a week when it all averages out, I think. Anyway, we have been talking about, just like I mentioned yesterday, about a parent as a leader or a parent as a dictator. Jamie and I have been talking about this. And I mentioned, if you listened yesterday, that Jamie and I have talked a lot about this in the past. And I have said something that she and I have, t well, I don't know if you've disagreed with me, with me on it or... But it has been a, a, but I'll let her tell her side of it. Anyway, I say that 80% of how a child turns out is due to parenting. And she's always said, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> okay, so I'll tell you what has been hard for me about that. What is streaking and why should you do it? Streaking is how you set up personal winning streaks. Look at who you want to be and what you need to do to become that person. This is Streaking. I'm Jeff. And I'm Jamie. And we are Streakers. Through 30 years of marriage and seven children, we have learned the power of consecutive consistency or streaking. To start streaking is simple. You just follow these three laws. Make it laughably simple. Keep a record and join the streaking community. Streaking is your hidden superpower. With it, you will consistently progress and grow in whatever area of life you want. In this podcast, Jeff and I will share all the fun, exciting, serious, solemn, wonderful parts of family, spiritual, professional, and personal life and how streaking powers it all. So join us in the conversation, join the movement, and start streaking today. Because I agree, I agree with the fact that as a parent, we have a huge amount of influence and responsibility towards our children. But the thing that is really challenging as a mom, maybe as a woman, is that I feel so deeply a responsibility to foster my children and teach them and help them grow. But on the same note, as a parent, I can't always look at what my children decide to do with life and take credit for that. Does that make sense? When you say, okay, so when you say take credit for it. I can't always look at my kids and be like, they turned out so good and it's all because of me. Okay. Or, wow, things are really going bad in their life and it's all because of me. It's a weird... I think that, okay, so I, I think I see a little bit better about where you're coming from in the sense that I agree how, what my children do or don't do, decide or don't decide, as far as taking credit for it, whether it be good or bad, is something I think you and I have always emphasized, that we, our children and their choices and consequences are theirs. What I, what I believe well, you, I'm saying, go ahead. Well, so you said something today that changed and that's what we decided to talk about it on the okay, podcast. Okay, go ahead, yeah. Because 
one of my tenets of parenting, and this is something that through a lot of our discussions as when we were younger parents. Yeah. Because we had a lot of disagreements about things. True. Specifically, I look a lot, a lot of our disagreements came around education. True. And grades, specifically yeah. around grades. We had very different ways of approaching I, how grades I think should we be have in to, our family. Because people don't know, I think we have so to delineate. So you felt, you grew up not feeling so great in school and feeling like grades were a defining factor and you felt like I'm not going to be defined by some grade on a piece of paper. That's right. And I felt like grades are important and if our kids are going to be successful, they need to get good grades. True. And there were times that those two opinions would really would butt, butt heads. heads. Yeah, exactly. Because I felt like you were saying grades don't matter. I'm not going to judge my kid by their grades. And I felt like I was saying, we live in a world where kids are judged by their grades. <laughs> like, if they're going to be successful, we right. need to help them under. So it, I, I struggled a lot with that, what that message was going to be in, in our family. And where, and now looking back, I'm really, really grateful for that struggle because it caused us to really talk a lot. Like that was the jumping, the jumping board that that and, you really know, we launched us into a lot of discussions. We didn't, we didn't really let that one rest either. I mean, it was no. it was a conversation that was years and years in the because, making. Because I was feeling a lot like I have a responsibility to help my children get good grades. True. Like that's part of their education. They need to get. And I grew up feeling, and, and maybe a little bit, I did get good grades. But I also. You were, not only did you get good grades. I, mean, I did you were, well in you school. You were very well However, in school. When we would have conversations, you retained things that you learned in school, and I got good grades. And through the course of the years, I recognized there's a difference. You may not have gotten good grades, but there were a lot of things that you learned in school. True. And I feel like I got really good grades, and there's a lot of times that I'm like, I don't know that I learned anything. But I understood the process of what I needed to do to get good grades. Yeah, that's so, true. But that came through a lot of discussion. I entered our married life thinking, no, you get good grades. That's what you do. And our kids are going to get good grades and they're going to. And then we would reach situations through the years where where a, a child needs to make a decision that maybe would go against a basic belief if they did it so that they could get a good grade. Does that make sense? They yeah. were compromising a standard that was because the teacher wanted them to do something and was grading them on it. So and the, that's when I started to look at and think, okay, well, there was a lot, there was a well, lot of the time question, before. The but, question came down to, am I doing this to get the grade or in other words, am I going to compromise the standard right, that I have, that to, I get have the grade, to get the grade or am I going to hold to my standard and sacrifice the grade? Which then all of us. And I think that that's a question that you ask in all kinds all of aspects that, of life. Yes in regards to, am I going to compromise my standard and get the cash? Or right. am I going to hold to my standard and let the cash go? And it really forces you to look at that thing and, and put it in a place. Because grades are somewhat of a payment. I mean, totally. they, they, it really is it's a, a currency. Payment. Yeah, it's a currency. But it's also has a huge amount of self-esteem around it. People who get good grades know it. <laughs> and people, people who make who a lot of cash, grades people who make a lot it. of cash know it. Yes. And there's also a lot of quote unquote self esteem, worth, whatever you want to say around that, 
that people who are making a lot of cash, I mean, what do we do? We look at those people and look how successful they are. Yes. Similarly, in the academic world, a grade is that look how successful they are. Performance. Yes. The so one this, thing, but however, I, I want to say something just before you go on about how I changed also, because you're right. I was on one side of this, which was, I don't care what grade you get in, I care that you're learning and moving forward and that you are improving and growing. However, I came to your side of it more because I realized that getting good grades opens doors that otherwise remain closed. And I thought to my, and, and this is where you and I talked a lot about it, where the opportunities that are presented to you when you have a certain grade point average are greater or there's more of them than when you don't. Yes. And so you can still decide not to take some of those opportunities that are presented by having grades that are above a certain grade point or a grade point average that allows you. But if you don't get that grade point average, you don't have those opportunities. And that's what we would talk to our children about. Yes. Is look, this is this is what getting a certain GPA allows you. And if you don't get that GPA, you can still do those things, but it may take you longer. You have to go a different course. You have to do different things. And, and if that's what you want to do, go into it recognizing that you're making that choice intentionally, not because those opportunities were withheld from you because you weren't able, because you didn't work as hard or because you didn't know that you needed the grades to do that. I feel like, so I feel like when, when we entered the marriage, both of us had an unhealthy, an, uh, I agree. What's the word I'm trying? An unhealthy emphasis on grades. True. And I feel like on, two, on like extreme different yes, sides of it. Totally opposite ends, but True. both of us were highly focused on grades. And I mm -hmm. feel like through the conversation, we reached a point where we're just like, grades is the wrong thing to be focusing on, education, and learning. And, that and, is where we need and to be. And we really got and to deliberately this point. telling our children, giving them the knowledge that they needed to be able to make a good, wise, intelligent decision. In other words, if they didn't care about their grades and they wanted to go about their education a different way, we're fine with that. And they have the knowledge, information, and intelligence to be able to make that decision deliberately and intentionally. Yeah. And it put grades then in a place as an as a, res as a result of other actions, but not the main thing that you're going for. Right. And, and, it, and it's been interesting. It's been, it's been good. It really so has. that conversation is really what started us talking so often about parenting because we so disagreed on it. <laughs> that it true. really caused us to think. And through the course of that, we you got know, before to this, this I, I had never thought of that as the catalyst to talking about parenting. That's interesting that you should bring it up because I, I so honestly didn't have So many other things we agreed on, but this one thing this one we, we both We were diametrically not, opposed on. And we could never get to a place where I felt like I agreed with you. I yeah. always was just like, you can say that. And I, and I would think in my mind, I understand how you would feel that way from your perspective. Right. Like I understood why you felt that way, but I didn't under, I did not agree with teaching our children that way. Right. I was, so it just, it wouldn't go away. It was something that bothered me. It was always me. there. Always. So we talked. And as a mom. That's really interesting. I was, it was also there because they're going to school every day and grades is an active part of what's happening. And, and so I was feeling like, got to get this resolved because I need to know 
how much I interfere, how much I, do I look at their grades all the time or do I let it go? And looking at it felt wrong because I felt like I was looking over their shoulders and, and, and making sure they were doing it my way, but completely letting go felt wrong. And so yeah. I was constantly trying to understand what my role as a parent was in relation to grades. Right. And so it was interesting because that led us to this place, this nugget of truth that has stayed with me. And I still say it to myself all the time when I get into parenting questions. And that is what I've come to recognize is that it is not my job as a parent to make sure that my kids make good choices. That's not my job. Oh, that that's pretty intense. I mean, when you look at it, that's it's, it was, it's not my job to make sure my kids make good choices. It's their job to make choices. And once I recognize I cannot choose for my children, even you know, if I th think I am choosing for oh, if I'm, if right. I'm, I can, I can delude myself into thinking that I'm helping them make these good choices by choosing for them, so to speak, but I'm not. And They're this is just, where I was talking I'm about yesterday. to myself. They're still making their own choices, no matter what. I just probably don't know about them <laughs> or. <laughs> Or they, or it's it's done. That's probably the biggest thing is they're making choices, and I'm just not knowing about it. They're doing it. It's the black market of choices. Yes. Because in front of your face, they're like, I don't want to suffer the wrath or the consequences. Exactly. I'll let you from, think what's important to you, mom. But really, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to do my own thing. And whether that, and that's the interesting part about that as well, is whether it be conscious or not conscious on their part, it is so ingrained in every single one of us to want to make our own choice that when we feel that we are being dictated in the direction we're supposed to go, we will do whatever we can to ensure that we are making our own choice. Yes. Even to the extent of making a choice that we know is not a good choice, but we would rather do that than do what mom said that we should do and prove that she was right. Or dad. I or would say dad. dad on this one too. I, know. I mean, mom or dad. <laughs> mom or dad. So, what I recognized so then what was my job? Because if my job is not to make sure my kids make good choices, then what is my job as a parent? And that's when I wrecked through, again, lots of conversations and lots of study and lots of scripture study. I came to realize that my job is to make sure that they have enough knowledge to make good choices. Yeah that if they make bad choices because they didn't know something, that was, that's, that's on, on me. You. Like that's I on, have a responsibility. I, I say it's on teach. you, but it's on both of us. Yes. I mean, because I feel that immensely as well, that my job is to give you as the knowledge that you need to make the best decision that the you best possibly decision can possible. in the moment that you're making the decision. And so how do I do that? That I feel like comes through honest discussion with them about whatever it is that we're that we're that's happening and this is, so one of the things i talked about yesterday that i'll bring up to you is in our franklin covey sales methodology one of our tenants is that your intent counts more than your technique and i would say in parenting your intent is critical in this whole conversation of giving knowledge and information to your children because if i go in to the conversation with any one of my children with the intent to manipulate them 
to do it my way, in other words, to be the dictator type parent, mm -hmm. then th they'll see right through they that. Do. They, they do. They will understand in a nanosecond that that is exactly They may what's not going. be able to put words around it or be able to pinpoint that that's what is happening, but they feel it innately. And yes. they know. Oh, they know. <laughs> Absolutely, they know. And they don't have to have words nope. to act upon it. No. They don't not have at all. to understand why they feel that way to act upon it. They, they'll. They, they will they will do what they're going to do if they and, feel like you're manipulating And them. I think of it in that but they will do... you know what? Go ahead. Wouldn't you and I do the same thing? I absolutely I do the being, same thing. I hate working I do with someone like that I'm like, you're just trying to get me to do what you want to do. Just tell right. me that's what you want and own it. Yeah. Stop stop manipulating. Right. So, yeah. Well, and Kids because we've been... Way. You know what? You and I have talked about that in different situations when we've worked with individuals who we felt that from. Yes where we have felt it. that really what you're trying to do is manipulate me in, in the way that you want me to go. Even though you say things like, oh, choose whatever you want. Yes, totally do it however you. you like. It's totally up to you. I have no opinion on this. No, you definitely have an opinion on it. And it's better that you say it and state it and be like, look, this is my opinion. This is where I'm at. This is what I'm feeling. I would really love for you to do it in this way not do it in a way that is the what I will call benevolent dictator, which is, oh, you totally have your choice. Whatever it is that you want to do, you go for it and do as long as you do it this way. And that's not the part that's said, though. It's the manipulation behind the scenes where the person or, or the parent is really saying, I know what's best for you. I know what's good for you. And therefore, you'll do it my way. But when it's put in that stark of detail, it's, it's like, no, I don't do that to my children. My children, children totally have a choice. When in actuality, they really don't. Right. And that's where we've talked so much about covert communication. What you're, how different it is, the words that you I know you're you saying. want me to write this book, but really this is the next book that you and I need to write together. I agree. Because you have a lot of. I have a lot of opinion about this book. Well, Let's own not it. only opinion, <laughs> but you also have a lot of experience behind it. And, and understanding I feel passionately about like, it because right. I sometimes think that people don't recognize what they're communicating when they're saying things, especially parents. So do you, can you think of a, I'm trying to think of a covert communication that be, might be easy for people to understand what it is we're saying, even though. Yes. Okay. So for example, you um, want your kid to do well in something. So you help them a lot to the point that, that you're kind of doing it for them. You think that you're building relationships and working together and they're going to feel so good about how good it turns out and how much everybody thinks it's so great. The truth is what's actually happening is you're communicating to your child, I don't trust that you're going to do this well. I need to come in and help you. I don't trust that you can do this by yourself. I need to come in and help you. You think you're saying, oh, look how good it is when we work together. and. But if you overdo it, if you do so much of that project or that thing that they're working on, that they don't feel like it was theirs to, that they, they deep down inside know, mom did this. Yeah. I didn't do it. And you think they're gonna feel so good about how great it turned out, but what they really feel, and they, they're not gonna necessarily have words to tell you this. Yeah. But what you feel is, mom doesn't actually think I can do this. She doesn't think I can handle it. She doesn't think I'm smart enough. And she let's just put it this way. Enough. It was she, never the parents. Even though as a mom, you, you don't think, you do think they're smart enough and brave enough. Right. That, that's not. That's the key. That's the thing about it is, is what you're saying is your intent is true. 
your intent is that you do love them and, you totally and think they're love brave them and, you want and think them that to they're be courageous successful. and think that they're smart and all those things. But what happens is the action starts to take over and covertly communicates that you're weak, yep. you can't handle this, yeah. you, can't you can't do, do it. it. And it seems really tough when you say those words out loud because it's like, no, I don't. I don't think those things about my child. Exactly. But you really have to be intentional about what it is that you're doing and how you're doing it so that it communicates the right thing. Because I don't think that you're advocating don't help at all. I no, mean, no, 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 right? not. I'm not advocating that at all, but I am advocating we need to be careful how we help. Yeah. We need to recognize what we're actually communicating. And oftentimes, sometimes I look at it and I'm like, how would I feel if someone was doing this for me? Yeah. Because we look at our kids as young children that need a lot of help. And when they are young, they do need a lot of help. But at a much younger age than what we realize, <laughs> they need a lot less help because that those struggles and those things that they're learning on their own is what builds their confidence. And the more we protect them from those struggles and the more we make sure that the outcome is beautiful instead of allowing the struggle to be the struggle and the outcome to be a little messy, the more we communicate, you can't handle this. Even I, as your own mother, think you can't handle this because I'm going to come in and do it for you. But <laughs> I'm going to come in and make sure that this looks good and that this turns out and that and you're going to be happy because it's going to be because all, it looks so good because it looks so good and it turned out so great. But now, what's you really has happened is that okay. you've communicated. You're referencing a lot about mothers and mother. Is that because from your point of view yeah. of reference? I mean, I'm talking I, about I things at... I've learned as myself. Yes. And things that I've had to say to myself a lot because it is. This could be like five podcasts, honestly. Oh, I know. There's a lot of good stuff so in here. Much. Well, because, but because I've learned because in the moment it is so hard to let go. In the moment, it is so easy to want to go in and help with love and genuine wanting to make things turn out so good, thinking that by having it turn out so good, your child's gonna feel good about the success. Right. But it doesn't work it that doesn't way. It doesn't work that way. And it's hard, it's frustrating that it doesn't work that way because so often what I'm doing is out of love. But I've also come to recognize that there's insecurity in that as well. Sometimes I'm doing Sometimes I want to believe that what I'm doing is out of pure love, but when I really look deep, maybe I am a little worried about what other people think. Maybe I do feel a little concerned that the kid, that my child isn't smart enough. Maybe there's a part of me that really is worried about that. And I'm embarrassed about that. I'm embarrassed that I think that and I need to. And so I think as we parent, being able to look at ourselves honestly yeah. and recognize a lot of times we don't know what we're doing. We're trying. <laughs> we're trying. We really are. And our parents didn't know what they were doing. And our but, kids, but in when that, they hold on, I, I, I know you, you, you're on a roll. You've got this going. I got to interrupt on this one just for a second, because as a parent, even the, the reason that you communicate authentically is because of what you just stated, that I don't know all the time what I'm doing. There's a couple of things that I do know. There's a couple of tenants that I cling to that are right on. And some of those, for example, like having open, honest communication. That's something I do know that is beneficial. And in that open, honest communication, it's open and honest about what I don't know. Yeah. That it's it's difficult. I, I've never been in this particular situation. And I, th I there's one phrase that I love to say is it's like, 
I've never been a 15 year old in the year that you're a 15 year old. Yes. You, this is different this for is you different. and for me. When I was a 15 year old, things it, were different. Things were different. I mean, I didn't have a, a phone that had the power to fly to the moon because that's what the Saturn V rocket, I mean, had in it. I mean, I can't even imagine what they had in there as far as flipping switches and so forth to be able to get to the moon. But our children have in their hand that particular thing. And I didn't. And so, so it's, different. Got, it's different. I have to be open and honest about those things and say, how do we handle this together? What is it that we do? How, this is what I see. These are the things that I'm concerned about. What about you? I mean, you've had tons of these conversations with each of our children who have expressed that, hey, mom, you haven't grown up in the era that we're in. There's different ways that we communicate and talk to, to each other. And can I say how far it goes with your kids when you say, I can only imagine what you're going through. Like, it's tough. Yeah. And I know what I went through, and I know the things that were tough for me. But, and I know generally what it's like to be a 15-year-old. But even if our technology was all the same, my experience of being a 15-year-old would still be different than your experience because we're different people and you approach things differently than I would. And that's the other thing that I look at as a parent that is probably one of the most crucial things to remember is that your children, it's gonna sound silly, but your children ahead. are people. They're that's like what, real I was actually people. wanted to get to this point is I think this is one of the biggest learnings that you and I have had is it's easy to see your children in your own image yes. when in actuality they are their own tree and recognizing that they are people with thoughts, feelings, and different that those than yours. And those feelings are valid. Even if you know that those thoughts and feelings are gonna change in a year. Now, it when you say you know those thoughts and feelings are valid, what, what do you mean? Because I think that that is a huge point. It sounds somewhat obvious, but I think that it's important because when you validate your child's thoughts and feelings, it has a totally different impact on your relationship than when you don't. Do, do, you, see, do yeah. you agree? And I'm trying to think of a time that, the only time I can think is that, I remember there was a time when Ace, our son, he was about 14 or 15. And he came to me and at the time, it was right when YouTube was coming out and there were these people that not when YouTube was coming out, but it was starting to become more popular. Right. And there were these boys that were on YouTube and that were just talking and playing a game. Yeah. And I remember like a video game and people were, and everyone, and I remember at the time just thinking, this is so dumb. Like who would watch this? <laughs> and Ace came and said, oh, I totally want to do this. I want to, and I need this equipment. I need a microphone and I need this lighting because I'm gonna do this. Right. And at first I just thought, this is so stupid. Nobody's gonna do this. Now you're all laughing now because we, it's been, oh, you know, there are it's been massive. 10 years and, and there's a lot of people who've made a lot of money doing this particular thing. Playing but Minecraft at the time, and letting people watch them play Minecraft. At the time it was kind of the beginning and I was, and I just remember thinking, and, and it's twofold too. I wasn't in that arena. I am, I was not a teenage boy watching other teenage boys play video games. Right. Even that part seemed dumb to me. 
So in that realm, it's easy when a child comes to you with something they want to try to be like, okay, that's, I'm not going to put money towards that. You're never going to be a YouTube star. Let's move on and put our money, you know, let's focus on your grades. That's what we really should be focusing on. Right. Those kind of conversations are easy to go to. But it's also really great, or maybe it's better, to look at it and say, this is something he's interested in. I don't know where it's going to go. Odds are good that he'll be interested in it for a couple months and then he'll move on to something else because that's kind of how the teenage brain works. But I don't know that for sure. I don't know that he couldn't really find his passion and something that he loves and turn this into something that is totally different. No, my dad didn't make money being on YouTube. Right. And you're not making money being on YouTube. But we mm. live in an era now that that is changed. That people are. And yeah, people they, are. They can. And so it's interesting to look at it and be like, well, okay, yeah, let's. So you explore the option rather than shutting something down, even though what he was excited about seemed completely frivolous and silly to me. Also interesting with that. So I remember this situation and some of the thoughts and feelings that you had. One, I think that with him, you were honest in that you you were, I don't see what the appeal is on this. Yeah. In other words, you weren't trying to mock or make yourself be excited about it. But what you also didn't, didn't do is kill his dream and what he wanted to try and to do. You know what I mean? You, yes. you were, even though you were so honest with I him, you said, I don't story. see it. But then you were also like, you know what? But I don't know where this will go. And one other thing, just before you talk about watching the short, I, in my youth, I tried a lot of different things. And what's interesting is though it didn't directly, like what you said, as far as being YouTube star, right? I did, that was not something that struck my fancy. However, I had a full video editing business. I did a lot of video editing that helped me in a different way mm -hmm. in the career that I did choose. Yep. And we never know where those things that our children are interested in doing where they'll get go. applied because it can be applied in so many different ways. Yes. What short were you watching? I think it was a Ted Lasso. A Ted Lasso. Is he the one that? Yeah, he's the soccer. He's the football the, coach turned soccer coach. Yes. <laughs> and it's this little short about when he's playing darts. Have you seen it? I haven't. If I have, I don't remember it, but you could. I don't remember it because I've never watched the show. <laughs> but the thing that he said is he said, you know, I once now I'm not going to be able to quote. We'll That's okay. Give it, give it, give it, give it, give it as much as you can. He talked about how wise people are curious and that, though, and these people that would always judge him, he recognized had no curiosity and they didn't ever ask questions about him. They just made judgments. And then it's a cute, it's a funny short because they challenged him to a dart competition. And in that he's saying, had they been curious, they would have asked me, Ted, have you ever played darts? And I would have said, yes, every week for 10 years of my life with my dad. And then he threw the dart and he- Hit a bullseye. He, he hit it exactly, not a bullseye. He needed to hit a very specific score. Oh, he had to hit that one or something like that. three darts to do it. And he hit the first thing that he needed to hit. Yeah. And then he went on to talk about had they asked or been even a little bit curious about me and my life rather than immediately judging me, they would have known that I'm actually pretty good at darts. 
And then he threw another dart and hit exactly where he needed to hit. And just went on until the third dart where he hit the bullseye. Right. But it, I, that has, even though I not watched Ted Lasso, <laughs> that short, I loved it because I thought that is a really good thing to remember as a parent. Be yes. curious about your kids and ask them why they're interested in stuff. Your children have their sole experience with you ends about when they turn five <laughs> and they start having experiences with other people that yep. you may not be aware of. Sometimes a little bit earlier than and that. Sometimes I mean, a little earlier. So you need to, so good talking to your kids and asking them questions about the things that they're doing and being curious about who they are and the experiences they're having and what it made them feel like. It really helps to realize that you should always be getting to know your kids. Yeah. They're changing. They're having experiences and becoming new people all the time, just like like we're changing. And like I hope that we're having new experiences and becoming better people all the time. So looping back to where we started, which is the 80-20, 80% of how a parent or how a parent parents or what is it again? 80% of, of how, how a, a child, child turns, turns out is a direct is reflection of the of, parenting of, of how a parent parents. And that's yes. like I said, that like you said, that's always bothered me because I felt like it's too much pressure on a parent and we're trying. Yeah. What I heard today for the first time in all the years that we've had this discussion. Yes. Was when you said that today, I heard 80% of the time in parenting, I should be looking at myself as a parent and asking, is there a better way I can do this? Is there something more that I can understand that maybe I'm not understanding? Are there better questions I can ask? Is there a better way I can communicate with my child? If I'm doing that 80% of the time looking at myself and my skills as a parent, is that going to make a difference in my parenting? That's Rather really good. Rather than on always really assuming, yeah. well, the child needs to change and I've got, I know what I'm talking about and they need to understand it. And a lot of times that may be true. You may, a lot of times you do know what you're talking about and it is imperative that they understand it. But how we do that and how, goes a long way in how it's received. And that's where 80% of the time, when if something's not going well, I need look to at look yourself. at myself. Yeah, look at myself as the parent and say, what can I do differently? How could I do this better? Jamie Downs, you how can help How can me. I communicate more? And the other thing, you're funny. The <laughs> other thing is, I also think that as parents, sometimes we think our kids need to, we think we're giving our kids security by knowing everything all the time and that there's going to be insecurity if they know that we don't know. And I think the opposite is true. I think that this world has become very complicated and we're more of a team than we've ever had to be before. In other words, our children see things that we don't see and we see things that our children don't see. And if we communicate together, we have a much better picture of the world around us and how to maneuver in it better than if we do it alone. I agree. And so talking to your kids honestly and saying, I don't know how to do this, but let me tell you what I do know. Or I know that I'm making you feel this way, but let me tell you why. Excuse me. It's you because know I'm scared. I'm scared that, that this bad thing might happen. Or you know what? I did this when I was in high school and I don't want you to go through that experience because it was awful for me. And so that's why I'm holding so tight onto this. And I'm embarrassed to tell you that because I'm embarrassed about what I did in high. I mean, just whatever it is, not being afraid to be honest about why you're feeling the way you're feeling, even though it's yeah. puts yourself in a vulnerable place with your kids. I think that something you just said struck a chord with me, which is what I do know 
that my children may not know is that communicating and talking about it is ultimately going to lead to a better and talking openly and honestly about it is going to lead to a better result than not than masking or hiding or guarding my insecurities right it's going to lead to a better result if like what you said we work together on this particular scenario and we don't avoid the hard subjects the ones that our children are bring up that are that are scary that yeah. are difficult it reminds me of so i had an experience and this was one at work where i was working with a a co-worker and he and i were beginners in this job we were working doors and hardware i remember this and we had the responsibility to install a couple of different doors and the closers as well as the crash bars we had to measure everything out so i pulled out the tape measure and we were measuring and i remember this coworker of mine he said to me how do you how do you measure how do you know what's a half or what's three eighths and at that moment i remember thinking in my head that i could have made fun of him at that moment and he would have never asked me another question again because he would have been embarrassed right instead gratefully i recognized that he was asking an honest and sincere question and so i took just a minute and said here's how a tape measure is broken up this is this is the half mark this is the quarter mark this is the eighth 16th he and i then looked at it and from there on out he and i had this great open conversation and relationship that had i not been honest in my answer and genuine and made and made fun of it that we wouldn't have and our relationship would have degraded i think that with our children similarly the same thing we need to do is there's going to be moments in time where they're going to ask an honest question and at that moment we're going to have to say to ourselves okay this is an honest question for them I'd better not make a mock of it yeah. or make fun of them for asking this question because if I do it may be the last question that they ever ask maybe me. the last time they come to me yes with a question yes because I'll go to my friends and I'll learn from them what sex is all about or what what opinions morality about, is all about yes. or opinions about any number of different things I'll go to them because they don't make fun of me yeah. and we have the opportunity to discuss together or I may not share it at all because now I'm timid or shy or not able to really express my feelings and thoughts. And if that's the case, we've lost a really good opportunity. And in saying that, it's not that it can't be repaired. It will just take a lot of work, energy and effort to get to the place where you can say to him, "Hey, you know what? I am sorry. That was wrong of me." to make fun of you in that moment. You cannot underestimate the value of repair that can happen from a parent going and saying, "Okay, I I did this wrong. I laughed at you and I'm sorry. I I made fun of that and that was totally wrong and I probably made you feel this way." Yeah. And I am sorry for that. That you can repair so much damage with Really can. with with understanding and saying, "I I messed up. I'm sorry." and recognizing that you probably made someone feel a certain way and even going as far as to say you you may not trust me anymore for a little while and i i understand, totally understand that, that because i blew it i blew that opportunity for you to trust me and 
I want to be a person that you can trust, so I'm going to work hard to do it differently. Like those kind of conversations, you can fix so much. Because we're going to do things And you know what's interesting about that sometimes. when we talk about covert communication is what does that communicate? You are smart, and we you your feelings are valid and important, and you I respect you enough to recognize that you don't have to trust me just because I'm your parent. Like that's an earned <laughs> thing. There's a lot. There's a you lot. You know what? That's, that's huge. Communicating. I'll there. tell you what. That's huge. You don't have to. You do not have to respect me just because I'm your parent. No, you don't. It's it, the, that's a, that's the a earning pretty, goes both ways. I mean, because there is a basic belief that you need to respect your elders. I mean, that it kind of comes through in that way of you need to respect your elders simply because they're your elders. When in actuality, in our day and age, that's just not the case. It really isn't. I think that treating people with respect will always be a, a tenant that is important. Yeah. As pe looking at another human being and respecting that they are a human being with rights to be who they want to be. And rights, thoughts, living, feelings, yes, desires, passions, whatever it is that they, that are, are probably different than what you want. Yes. But to respect and trust somebody because that's, that can, there's more earning that goes with that. You, you, you trust people because they've done things to show that they're trustworthy. Okay, so question for you, just as we wrap this up. We've talked about 80-20. We've talked about all of these different ideas and thoughts that you and I have learned together as we've been going through this. What streak could a parent set that would help them to better develop these type of attributes and traits? What are some of the streaks that we did, maybe not consciously, but we did consistently all the time? I, and I don't know the answer to this right off the shoot. I'm just, I'm just asking it because as we think about streaking and what the streaking methodology does is it helps us to develop in a way that to become the person we wanna be. So if I wanna be a parent that gives my children the best opportunities to succeed in life, what are the consistent actions that I can do on a weekly basis that will promote that type of person? That's a good question. I think there's a lot of things that you can do. It could be something as simple as look my child in the eye once a day to just like to see them, to see, to like, yeah, like take I time really to, see you. Yeah. yeah. To take a minute and be like, I see you as a person. I see you. It could be to um, say I love you once a day. It could be, I'm, it could be something like I'm going to pray with my child once a day, or I'm going to oh, you pray for I my child thought, once a day. Oh, I like that. You know what I just thought of? Ask at least one curious question. Yes, you can to choose to ask one day. question. Yes, or at or, once a week. Or it could also be. Sometimes you have to make it more simple, where it could be. Think of a question I could ask my child once <laughs> a day. Go. I may not be able to ask I it. I may not be able to ask it yet, of... but I can start thinking about it um, or write down a question I could ask my child once a day till you get to the point that you are in a place that you're like, I can ask that question. I, or I can ask you a question each day or... You have somewhat of a log of questions that, yeah, that you come to start. it. Because there, I, I know in our children, just speaking of this, that if I ask, for example, Bowen, how was your day? He good. will he will answer with one word. Good. Good. Now I can look at myself, or I can look at him and say he's got to talk more, or I can look at myself and say 
I think I can come up with a better question. What can I do to engage yeah. more with? How can I engage with this child? Because it's different than, than another child. And I've actually asked that question the other day. And so one street could be for us with our family to, our family is getting smaller. And so in the past, Meaning that eating, children are moving out. Move, yes, they're not, they're not dying. They're not, we're not, they're not physically getting smaller. <laughs> the size of our family, the number of people, the number in, of the people house in our home. <laughs> and as I'm sometimes dinner is not as much of a priority as it used to be. Ah, this is something and we I was about recently. thinking that specifically with Bowen, where I'm like, I just want to talk with him more. And you had mentioned we should have dinner more to yeah. have that sitting down. And I thought that is so true because having food, <laughs> food and a boy go together really well. <laughs> Boys like true. food. Having a mom make food and then sit down and chat with you for a little bit can go a long way. Yeah. If I'm doing it with the intent of I genuinely just am curious how you're doing, like what's going on. Yeah, enjoying and the opportunity. Enjoying the opportunity. Because we've talk. had so many great so that could dinner be a time conversations. For me that it's yeah. like make dinner at least three times, you know, make dinner three times a week. Yeah. Or we sit down to dinner three times a week. Maybe making yeah. it is too much, and I'm just going to say, I just want to sit down at the table and have dinner three times a three week. Three times a week. Yeah, that's a great point. Or, and this is where I do love the streaking is genuinely looking at what is something that is doable. Yes. What is something we can, because so, and I'm going to actually post this on the streaking app, but um, someone had the other day, one of their streaks was to spend 10 minutes of one-on-one -on -one time with each of my children. And, Ooh, did they really? Yeah. And oh, I great. thought that is a great streak. But I also thought that might be a little overwhelming for me when I had all seven kids at home. Yeah. Like every day, yeah. 10 minutes of one-on-one -on -one time. That's 70 minutes <laughs> that I had to commit to. And there's a lot of other things that, but it seems like it would be an easy streak. So then I thought, what if I, if I, if, if that wasn't something that I could actually maintain, but it is the point of what it is, is wanting to get to one-on-one -on -one time of seeing my children. Well, that's one of the reasons why I have my streak is connect, connect with one of my, with at least one child daily. And that could be. So that doesn't mean I'm connecting with all of them every yes. single day, but I'm connecting with, with at, at least, least one, one of, of them. them. And I thought, you know what, if you have to start even simpler, it could be think of a way I could spend one-on-one -on -one time with my children. Yeah. For a while. Because at least one time every day. At least day. one time a day. Because that helps you to start to recognize maybe there's a lot of moments within my day that the one-on-one -on -one is already there, but I'm just not seeing it because I got a lot of things going on and I haven't, I haven't taught myself the skill of noticing those opportunities. Right. So starting even more simple before you start with the spend one-on-one -on -one time, maybe you start with the think of an opportunity where I could have spent one-on-one -on -one time with the child. Yeah. Because that's something that if your day was really busy and at the end of the night, you could sit back and think, oh, you know what? I could have done this. Or it may be that you sit back and be like, I did do that. I just didn't allow myself to recognize that that was one-on-one -on -one time. And maybe the next time that happens, I can make that interaction even more intentional. So keeping it as sometimes people think making it so simple negates it. But in actuality, when it's simple enough to be consistent, you're really giving yourself concentrated and pure intentionality. Okay, you just reshaped really good. You just reshaped law number one for me and something you just said, keeping it laughably simple. You said when it's simple enough to keep it consistent, 
it has, it, and you didn't say this, but I thought it has massive impact over time when it's simple enough to keep it consistent. Because yes. that's really what you're because saying. Because what are you doing when you keep it consistent? You're thinking about it. Every single day. Every single day. And when you're thinking about it, you're noticing really opportunities. Yeah. You're thinking about little things that you can tweak and change. Those things are important. Small tweaks can have big, I mean, the, the swing of a door is operates on a very small hinge. It's a very small part at the hinge that moves. But the breadth of the door and the, the angle that you create is is huge. Yeah. And that's us in our these small things that we can do, but only if that only happens when we're consistently thinking about it. Yeah. And I very think true. we get caught up in the fact that we have to be doing all the time and and recognizing that maybe the thinking all the time will lead to more of the doing. On and a more consistent just, basis. And not just more doing more often, but like better doing yeah i agree well streakers this has been a dynamic conversation that i have enjoyed thank you jamie for You're joining welcome. me today it's been it wonderful fun. if you want to learn more about streaking buy the book at amazon barnes and noble or anywhere books are sold also download the audible we uh with jamie and i had a fun time that was a little while ago that we recorded it but we had a fun time recording it and we read the parts that we wrote in the audible book hopefully you'll enjoy that most importantly, download the app and look at what other streakers are doing. Just like what Jamie said, you've got streakers out there who are talking about what they're doing with their children and you can see what they're doing, adopt their streaks and also see what they're posting and how they're benefiting from the streak and what it is, some of the proof that they show of how they're completing the streak. Until we talk again. Keep streaking.